Well, it's two days after my 57th birthday, and um, I'm trying not to be depressed, but I do have a lot to be depressed about. Um, when I woke up on my birthday, it was a Monday, and um, I had taken it off of Facebook. I didn't want nobody to know, but um, I belong to a hometown page, and they posted my birthday first thing in the morning, so then I started getting calls and texts, and I still haven't thanked anybody that told me happy birthday because it's like, I, I just, 57, I'm, I just, it's, I'm just getting old, and I'm not, um, I'm not happy about it. I'm, I'm close to 60, and then 20 years later, I'll be 80, and I feel like I'm running out of time and this 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 coronavirus epidemic or pandemic is is just so depressing um my poor daughter my third daughter was supposed to get married april 3rd on a beautiful spring day and now it has to be postponed my oldest daughter is having her first baby, my first grandchild, a baby girl. Her shower is Sunday, and hardly anybody is going to be going. And um, every time I turn on the TV, it's just doom and gloom. And I'm just like, I'm a substitute teacher, and all my classes got canceled for March and April, and I'm out of work. And um, I, I, I don't know what to do. Um, you know, I'm kind of going through a, a, a midlife crisis. Um, I'd like to, I have dreams or, you know, ambitions. And um, the subs, being a substitute teacher, they uh, are encouraging us substitutes to become teachers and you have to uh, pass practice one and practice two and um, the school board doesn't discriminate on age and um, I went and I talked to the people at the school board and I told them that I, I, there's no way that I could pass the test to become a teacher and they said that they offer free courses on, uh, on how to take the practice test and uh, I thought about taking those classes, but my family is totally against me uh, bettering myself and trying to be a teacher. Um, they they think I can't handle it. They say that I have too much anxiety and that little things uh, make me anxious and that um, substituting and teaching are two different things and that, I, that I'm basically bas uh, basically babysitting children and I'm not teaching so I really don't know what teaching's all about but um, I don't I plan on working until I'm 70 and it's like you know it's like I'm not dumb I can learn the material and um, but my, my family is just not supporting me and I mean, if you really want to know what I want to do is well, I'd like to be a, a, a counselor. And that would be going back to grad, to grad school. 
and um, that's probably a two and a half year course. So by the time I'd finished that, I'd be 60. And in that field, I don't know who would hire me. And there's probably age discrimination in that field. And um, so, yeah, I have all this time to ruminate. I can't stand to watch the TV because it's so doom and gloom. And um, I'm not afraid of catching the virus. I mean, I've had the flu one time in my life, and that was when I was a senior in high school. And I think I just missed one day of school, and they, they called. And to see, they thought I was skipping school, and I'm like, no, I have the flu. And I was left by myself. Nobody was taking care of me. My dad was working, my stepmother was working. I had to take care of myself. And I've never gotten the flu shot, and my my husband's never had the flu, and he's never gotten the flu shot. So, uh, to lift my spirits, um, I went, walked, the LSU lakes and I walked for three hours today because uh, the gym is closed and um, I don't get a, a good workout just walking outside it's not it's not a good workout for me I don't I don't burn that many calories so I bought some uh, uh, ankle weights and I didn't put them on my ankles but I put them around my arms of there were five pounds each and I put them around my arms because you know years ago in my early 20s I had put ankle weights on my on my ankles and I went walked around um, a golf course and I ended up getting shin splints so I I knew not to put them around my ankles and walk that's why I put them around my arms and I walked the lakes for three hours because, I mean, there's nothing else I can do, you know. Um, uh, The gym is closed, and um, uh, I used to walk in the neighborhood like an hour a day, and I never lost any weight, and I'm determined to keep my weight off. So, yeah, I I walked a crazy three hours today, you know. I know it. My daughter said that's too much, but when I was working for Winn-Dixie, I used to walk eight hours a day in one day. I, I walked from one end of the store to the other, and that was an eight-hour day. So I don't, I don't understand the big difference between walking eight hours when I was 23 years old and then walking three hours at the age of 57. I mean... It, it did. I mean, it's it's it's, it's no big deal. I mean, um, it was easy. Three hours is easy. It's time consuming. You know, it's like, you know, I'd rather uh, do something else. But I mean, I mean, it didn't make me tired. I had plenty of energy. You know, it helps me sleep at night. To be honest, but um, I'm so sorry about my daughter's wedding being postponed my future mother-in-law or her mother-in-law I'll call her my future mother-in-law but she spent so much money time and effort to uh planning this wedding and now it's being postponed and I'm so devastated for my daughter and 
I mean, we don't know when she can uh, reschedule it. And it's like everything is up in the air. We don't know. The priest uh, keeps canceling on my daughter. And she can't talk to the priest to see when she can reschedule. So we don't know. My poor daughter that's having a baby shower. Hardly anybody's going. And so that's sad too. So... I mean, to me, the the world has gone mad. It's like they're they're scaring me about medication. I mean, I mean, I take a lot, and I'm thinking it's made in China. I'm like, what if, what if I can't get my medication? And I think about things like that. And you know, um, I went to the store, and I didn't really stock up. I just bought uh, the few essentials, you know, but I haven't really stocked up. And um, um, I just I just feel so bad for my future my, my daughter's future mother mother-in-law all that she did for my daughter's wedding I just feel so bad when I'm so blessed to have her be part of my family she is like a ray of sunshine when she talks it's like her face lights up and it's like she just puts on such a, a positive energy and I look at myself and then when people talk to me I'm kind of like doom and gloom and it's like a rain cloud over my head but I attribute that to that's how I was raised I was raised uh, by a negative father I mean Everything that came out of my dad's mouth was negative, so it's been ingrained in me, and it's 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 how I was raised. I mean, when I was growing up, my dad would uh, look, go find a dilapidated-looking house and point to it and tell me and my sister that if we ever got pregnant at a young age, that we would end up in a dilapidated house or if we got in a car wreck we would get sued and people would take all our money so I I grew up with with just negativity you know and it's like you know I find that when I call my girls they're they don't always answer because they say that I I I'm too I'm too negative and I'm too pessimistic and that I bring them down, you know, and I'm so walking the lakes today, you know, that was one positive thing that I did, you know, but uh, sitting in front of the TV, it just, it de- it depresses me, you know, and um thinking about my childhood, you know, what my, my dad, my dad, uh, was okay with abortions. I mean, you know, he, he, you know, and he's now he's, he's religious and he's totally against abortion and he's a better grandfather than he was a dad. That's, that's a fact. He's just, He's just a bet. He's mellowed out, and he's a, a good grandfather to my children. And um, but he failed as a, as a father. I mean, 
um, I mean, like I said, my personality is kind of negative and, and pessimistic, you know? Um, you know, and, and then when I watch the TV, it's like, uh, you know, all our medicine is made in China, and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, I take a lot, and what if I can't get my medication? I got my Synthroid. I, all I did was call, and I said, can I get a, a, a supply of Synthroid? And they immediately filled it up, so I'm good with that. I mean, that keeps me alive because I don't have a thyroid because I had thyroid cancer in 205, and I was sick for seven years after that. I was sick um, during Hurricane Katrina, uh, I was sick when they gave me that radiation iodine pill, and I was sick for seven long years. And then in 2014 is when I, I started exercising two hours a day and lost 90 pounds in nine months. And um, I, I got all all the way down to about 120 pounds, and then I had an endocrinologist uh, told me to put five pounds on, I guess, because I look gaunt in the face. My face, you lose weight in your face. When you get older, you lose weight in your face. And I guess the doctor saw my face and he goes, I want you to put on five pounds. And it, when he told me that, I was just so shocked. I was like, I thought he'd be proud of me because I was pre-diabetic and I thought he would be so proud of me because I lost 90 pounds. But I did like he told me to. I put five pounds on, and then I had to go back to work, and then I, I, I couldn't exercise like I want because I'm a substitute teacher. And um, um, when I teach elementary school, I get off at 3.40, and by the time I get to the gym, it's 4.30, so I can only exercise an hour. But if I substitute middle school and high school they get out at 240 so I'm able to exercise uh, two hours uh, on those days but my my two daughters are teachers and when they get off of work they they go take naps they're so exhausted but I'm fine uh, when I get off of work I'm fine I have energy I have more energy than my 20-year-old daughters do, you know? Um, I I think they go to bed late. Now, I guess I, I go to bed early, and I go to bed early and get up early, you know? And um, so, um, you know, um, I don't know what to do with my life. I mean, do I go and try to be a teacher and better myself, or stay substituting which is it's still stressful because when you go in a class and the te the kids see that there's a substitute they're bad the kids are bad so that's stressful in itself and then you don't know if the teacher left lesson plans or I've been to classes where there's been no lesson plans and the kids are just bad i mean so you know, yeah, I don't know what to do. Like like I said, my pipe dream would be to be a counselor, but I'd be 60 years old when I'd finish that program, and it's like, who would hire me? 
at 60 years old, you know, so I have a lot to think about, you know, I'm, I'm 57, you know, and I'm running out of time, you know, and I plan on working till I can't go no more, and, um, you know, and I, I, I think back about, you know, raising my daughters, did I, did I, make the right choice to stay home and raise them and and not have a career because I don't have a career now. Now my kids are all grown and I'm 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 empty nest and I'm having a hard time because I don't have a career and I I gave up having a career to, to raise my, my kids when they were little. I mean I enjoyed taking them to the park and to the movies and to the zoo and to the circus and and to the children's museum. I mean, I just, I enjoyed that so much. So I I, I don't regret that, but I, I think back, I mean, you know, I didn't have my first child until I was 27 years old. And, um, I had one child when they, doctor put that child in my arms I cried I was so happy and I had one child then I had another child a year later then I had another child a year later and then I got pregnant again and so I I was pregnant four times in six years but the the fourth pregnancy ended up in a miscarriage and that's a long story in itself. What happened with that was um, I was 12 weeks pregnant and I was all excited to get a sonogram and I was seeing a high-risk doctor because I asked for one because I was taking medication at the time and I had baked cookies for all the nurses and I got to the sonogram place and they did the sonogram and the nurse kept saying, how many weeks are you? How many weeks are you? And I kept telling her how many, I said, I'm 12 weeks. I know I am, I'm 12 weeks. And then she goes, I have to go talk to the doctor. And I, I knew there was something wrong. And the doctor came in and he he hurried up and did a scan of my, he did an ultra scan and I saw the look on his face. I was like, he said, there's no heartbeat, you know, you need to go see your doctor. So I was just devastated and I went, saw my doctor and he was on vacation. So I had to see his brother and his brother told me to go home and let nature take its course. So I went home and waited and waited for me to miscarry and I was, I was in a state of shock, you know, and it was like, come 14 or 15 weeks, I started having the miscarriage at home, and I bled all over the place, and I I bled so much that I I was in the tub, and I fainted, and I told my husband to call 911, and he called 911, and the ambulance got there, and uh, I told them, Everything was fine. I said, I, 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 miss, I, I know I miscarried. It's, it's done, you know. Everything, it's, I'm, I'm finished. I, 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 I miscarried. I'm fine. I don't need to go to the hospital. So I assigned a relief. And 
I got back in bed, put the covers over myself, and then felt blood leave my body again. And I sat up, and then I told my husband, I said, get the ambulance. I I need to go to the hospital. So the the people came right back, and I apologized for signing the paper. I said, oh, I'm sorry to get y'all to come back. You know, I was apologetic. And they gave me an IV, you know, right away. And I I felt so much better. And I I was so thankful for for the IV. And they rushed me to the hospital. And the doctor that did the DNC was so mad. He said, what doctor sends a a woman home 12 weeks pregnant to have a miscarriage at home and I was not 12 weeks I was more like 14 or 15 weeks and the doctor said told my husband that I was 30 minutes away from bleeding out that's what the doctor said that if I would have stayed at home another 30 minutes that I would have bled to death and um I was depressed for an entire year. I was depressed. It took a whole year for the depression to go away. And then I started uh, being a Girl Scout leader and I got involved with uh, Girl Scouting. I would take the kids camping and I was uh, voted Outstanding Girl Scout Leader in 1998. And then I got a surprise in 1999. Uh, I was pregnant for my fourth daughter. I was 35 years old. She was a complete surprise. I thought I was too old to have kids. And but I, if you'd ask me, you know, at 27, how many children I I wanted, I would have told you I wanted 10 kids because I loved babies and kids I love them so much and with my fourth pregnancy I was so nauseated for nine months and um, and I had gestational diabetes and I knew I, I knew that she was going to be my last child and um, after she was born I took up sewing and I I put all my in I would stay up and to all hours of the night and I would sew and make uh, children's clothes and I was I was on a high I guess I was on a manic high I I guess that's what you call it and then um, I had uh, thyroid cancer in 205 and it was during Hurricane Katrina and what we're experiencing now feels like what would happen during Hurricane Katrina. The only difference is when Hurricane Katrina came, I was in bed crying because I was so nauseated from the radioactive iodine and I was sick for seven years. I was in bed for seven years. And um, uh, so um, I finally... I I got better in 2012, and um, um, so I still, you know, have anxiety and depression, and um, 
so I'm kind of, you know, I have, I'm not, I don't have the anxiety anymore. I have more of depression. And I think it's because of the medicine I take. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's made me dull, I think. Because uh, my kids that I used to be so cheerful and full of life when I was raising them and like now I'm like more I'm more depressed you know and with this coronavirus you know watch it on TV makes me so depressed and I'm so depressed about my daughter's wedding getting postponed I mean I'm just I'm devastated for my future mother-in-law. I mean, she just put in so much. I mean, she just paid for everything, and she put so much hard work into everything. And I just, I feel so bad, and I feel so bad about for my daughter and my future son-in-law. I mean, they were. It was going to be a nice spring wedding, and now. We don't know anything. I mean, uh, the priest canceled on them, and so everything's up in the air. I mean, I, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have a job because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not teaching. And so uh, there's no money coming in from on my side. Excuse me, that was my dog barking. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, excuse me, excuse me, my dog is barking, excuse me, but, um, yeah, so, yeah, um, that's where I'm at right now, you know, it's like, I'm like, I guess like with all, all of us Americans, just like, we don't know what's happening or what's what's going on but it's just like doom and gloom when you watch tv you know it's like you know i mean i i hate putting tv on and i'm i'm restless you know that's why i walked three hours today because it's like i don't i don't feel like dusting and uh spring cleaning which i should be doing but it's just like I'm I'm too depressed to do that, you know. I don't know I don't know what to do with myself, you know. And um, so yeah, um, that's where I am. Um, so that's all I have for this podcast. So I guess I'll see you later or talk to you later. Goodbye. This episode is about dating. One of my daughters wanted me to talk about this subject. So I started thinking about my life. And I can remember I was in third grade and I liked this boy. So I wrote a love letter to him and stuffed the envelope with candy. Anything I can find at home. And I think I put secrets in there because... We didn't have candy at home, so I don't even know where I found uh, a bubble gum, and I think I put secrets in in this envelope. So I brought it to school, 
and during recess I gave it to him and all the boys gathered around him and he opened up the envelope and he read the love letter and he threw the the letter on the ground ate the candy and went to play and I was just so heartbroken that he just threw my love letter on the ground and just and just ran ran away to play so that was my first experience of feeling um heartbroken so let's jump on um to uh eighth seventh grade seventh grade i had a boyfriend and uh we shared lockers you know and um we would talk on the phone all the time and um uh well one time he said to me that my parents were i had a dad and a stepmom at the time and um he said your parents are shacking up and i said where well you are white trash for thinking that so all i know is that the dad went met my dad at school and he wanted to fight my dad so my dad came home and he said what, this man came wanted to fight me what what's going on i said I called my boyfriend white trash and um I explained that he said the boy said that uh my parents were shacking up and I didn't I didn't even know what shacking up meant you know so my you know so that 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 relationship ended very fast and it was like we didn't look at each other we didn't talk after that and it was so awkward and um when i got to 8th grade we went to a high school and i think he got held back so i didn't see him my 8th grade year but i think he went to school the following year and i would just awkwardly pass him by and wouldn't say anything so let's talk about high school well I never had someone to ask me on a date except for one time I'll tell you. So all the dates that I had it was me asking a boy to Sadie Hawkins. And uh one time I was um walking out the band room and I saw this football player coming by and I kind of knew he was a year older than me. and i asked him i said would you like to go to sadie hawkins with me and my dad was picking me up from band practice and he said what did that boy what did, what were you talking to that boy for i said i asked him to uh, sadie hawkins and he said he's going to think about it and my dad got furious he goes no i do not want you going with that boy if he's got to think about it that is not the boy for you i i do not want you going to the and then i had to explain to my dad that he came from strict parents and he probably had to ask his parents so that's why he said that so 
my dad let me go on the Sadie Hawkins with this boy, and he was popular. And when we got to Sadie, uh, we went to dinner, and he had a cowboy hat. And I remember sitting in the booth, and I was getting in the booth, and he grabbed his hat, and he goes, "Don't you, don't you sit on my hat?" Really rude. And I was just thinking, oh my God, he's he's not nice. He's 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 got a temper. He's mean. So I didn't say anything. So we went to Sadie Hawkins, and all the cheerleaders and all the popular girls came running up to him and called his name. and And the next thing you know, is he's surrounded by a bunch of girls and I'm just left in the corner by myself so that Sadie Hawkins was a bust he didn't spend any time with me he was just dancing with all the cheerleaders and all the popular people and I was like a wallflower so that happened then um another Sadie Hawkins came by and I asked this boy and we went and um, I had a very good time with this uh, second boy, and he was my classmate. And we went to Sadie Hawkins, and we had a wonderful time. Uh, I I want to say he he did get drunk, and um, and he was drinking and driving. I I have to say that that's true. He was drinking and driving and that was before that was a thing but we had a really good time and I still to this day don't know why I didn't talk to him after Sadie Hawkins I just like went to Sadie Hawkins with him and I didn't talk to him again after that I I don't know why because I had a wonderful time with him and um we talk on Facebook sometimes and it's just like you know, hey, yeah, we went to Sadie Hawkins together. You know, he he had a picture, and I still have the picture, and it was it's, it's uh, you know, and uh, it, it's fun. But I I I I don't know why I didn't talk to him after that. So let's go to junior prom. All right, here we go. Can't, I don't have a date for junior prom. What am What am I gonna do? So. My junior year, my mama lived in a small town, and I asked, I saw this boy walking around the street, and um, I saw him at church, and I randomly asked him if he would go to Sadie Hawkins with me, and he agreed, so I went to Sadie Hawkins with a complete, I'm sorry, not Sadie Hawkins, prom, I went to my junior year prom with a random boy I didn't know very well so I went to the prom with him and again never spoke to him again and um, then my senior year prom again I had no date nobody was asking me to prom so oh I forgot to say I I started working at Winn-Dixie and I met this boy that went to a different uh, Catholic school. And uh, he kept coming to my register. And we ended up talking. And we started going on dates. So he was kind of like my first boyfriend. And um, 
So I did, I, I did, I was dating someone. I was dating someone my senior year. So we went to, um, we went to prom together. And I feel so bad because my stepmother had made this giant breakfast for us when we got home from prom. And none of, I don't even know why, but None of us ate the breakfast. I don't know. I don't know. Till this day, I don't know why we didn't eat. We were just like hanging out at my house. And some people were falling asleep. And um, because my parents wouldn't let me go to anybody else's house. They wanted me to stay home. And my stepmother went out of her way to make this big breakfast that none of us ate. So... I feel really bad about that. And so, um, so come to find out the boy ended up being gay, which I didn't know he was gay. It wasn't until he, he moved on to college and we were dating by phone. And, um, I, I kept thinking that something wasn't right with our relationship. You know, he would take me into fancy restaurants and he he always smelled so good and I I was just so admired him because he it would always dress really well and but I kept thinking there's just something not right that you know I just knew deep down there was something not right so I broke up with him and then years later I went to a class reunion and a bunch of girls came up to me and said, did you know so-and-so was gay? So so I went, so I, I, I wrote a book and I, I wrote a funny thing. So my my senior uh, a date turned out to be gay. And so that that's my, all of my high school experiences. So I'm going to move on to college. So in college... Um, I dated a, a few a few boys um, from class, and um, one time I dated this boy. Very nice, very nice. And he said, "My dad has a only has one leg," and I don't know why, but it. I was like, "Your dad's got one leg," so it's like, I I I didn't I quit date. I I didn't go any on any more dates with him because his dad had a missing leg. Don't ask me why that bothered me. To this day, I was like, he was a nice, nice guy, and I just did. I, I he had a missing leg. His dad had a missing leg, and I don't know what I was thinking. I I I I don't know why. I just like I just I, st- I stopped dating him. And I had a few more dates in high school, and I lived in the dorm, and we had a, a dorm a, a guy that was in charge of the girls, and he was a, he was from Malaysia, and he had a crush on me, and um, he he's, every day he'd see me at the dorm, he'd say, "Can I cook for you?" And I and my roommate says, "Desiree, quit talking to that Malaysian boy." You know, he's he, he's Malaysian. He's a foreigner. But I said, oh, he keeps asking me, to, he wants to cook for me. So finally, finally, I, I, I accepted and he 
and I went to his room and he cooked for me and I was like thank you or whatever and then after that I tried my best to avoid him because I you know I was you know listening to my roommate he's from Malaysia he's foreigner and when I graduated high school I mean college he had taken pictures of me that I didn't know about and he handed he handed it handed it them to me and I was just like uh, one of the picture uh, was me dangling out of my window we had a panty raid where the guys came and you threw your panties out of the window I never threw no panties out I was just like watching the crowd of guys surround our dorm shouting out for panties and um, he had taken pictures of me hanging out the window, waving at all the boys and stuff like that. And I, I feel bad that he had a crush on me for three years and I didn't know the extent of it that he had actually taken pictures of me and he had kept them with them. And I, you know, I feel bad, you know, because I, I probably should have you know, going on more dates with him. And he was a perfect gentleman. He just happened to be Malaysian. And my roommate kept saying, stay away from the foreigner. So, um, I didn't have many uh, other dates in in college. It was all about school. You know, I I concentrated on school. That, that, That was my number one priority was to graduate college in three years instead of the normal four years so I went straight summers and I just I just studied all the time and I worked on the weekend so I there was no me there there wasn't many times that I had dates because I was working every weekend so I go to um I'm 20 years old and I'm already a senior in college and I graduate that May and I just turned 21 in March and I graduate in May because it I, I graduated in three years instead of the normal four and that January I met I want to say he was my first love. I fell in love with this boy. He was a year younger than me. And I I never felt that way before with any of the boys that I dated. And um, uh, I, I, I was comfortable with him. And he adored me. And um, he would write love letters to me and he would uh, make music tapes and and give them to me and um, I was at his he lived at home and I was at his house spending the night and then I would sneak sneak out the next morning and get in my car and go back to the dorm And, um, yeah, I'm sure his parents knew I was sleeping at his, his son's house because, I mean, it's like, you know, but I, I, was, I would sneak, sneak out of his house and I would park my car 
on the side street, and I'm sure his parents knew my car was there. And um, so I was just like, oh, I have a boyfriend for the first time in my life, you know. And um, I was comfortable with him, but but back, if you, oh, if you back it up, oh, I I, I did. I want to say about this one relationship, I did date this guy that uh, belonged to Assembly of God, and uh, he was one of these that went to church. His dad was the pastor, and it was a non-denominational church. And I would go to church with him and everybody would be lifting their hands and singing and they would uh, talk in tongues. And and on the weekends, he would pass out these pamphlets about not going to bars and things like that. And that that was a very short relationship, Uh, uh, very short. Uh, We just dated for... um, a, a few months, and I remember he wanted to go walk in the park, and I was self-conscious about how I looked. I was always worried about having a a pimple because I didn't ha- I didn't have flawless skin at the time, and I always had my makeup on. I was always worried about my hair and my clothes and and how my face looked, and I was I was always worried about breaking out and having pimples on my face. That was the big thing back then because uh, I used to break out with pimples on my face and I didn't want nobody to see me when I had a pimple. So um, that relationship, uh, he he used to, uh, have, he was on the uh, radio at a Christian station. So I would listen to the uh, Christian station just to hear him uh, talk about Jesus and talk about uh, the 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 record that he was playing, and um, but like I said, that relationship ended. Um, I he I went to an LSU game with him, and I stayed with one of his friends at a dorm, and we went to the football game. And I don't like football, and I kept just sitting there and I was nervous with him because he was very good looking and I was I was nervous about how I looked and it was like so I I guess I I I wasn't getting into the game and I just sat there and just kind of like looked around at the people in the stadium and he kind of got mad at me and he goes why aren't you enjoying yourself and I was just like oh you know I didn't I didn't want to tell him that I don't like football I just like Oh, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine, you know. And I, I it was soon after that that I think he broke up with me. It was mutual because, you know. Um, uh, oh, uh, I, the a, a funny story. We had gone to a seafood restaurant, and um, he had ordered onion rings, and I love onion rings, but I would not eat eat an onion ring because I didn't want to have bad breath. So everybody was eating onion rings, the whole group of people. And I just sat there and drank my water because I was like, I I don't want to eat those onion rings, you know. And like I said, that relationship ended, you know, pretty, it was three months, four months of of dating. And um, 
So uh, I graduate from college and I have a boyfriend that that I'm in love with and I love him and everything. And I decide, I graduate from college and I decide I'm going to leave Lafayette and move to Baton Rouge to go to LSU and work on my master's. And till this day, I still don't know why I left my boyfriend that did not have a car or a way to come see me. And I just left. I put, I put my career or my job before my boyfriend. That's what I did. I don't know why I didn't stay in Lafayette. I, I, to this day I I beat myself up because I'll tell you, I'll tell you later on in uh in a little bit. But yeah, I just upped and moved and moved to Lafayette, I mean Baton Rouge, and my boyfriend didn't have a car. So I move in with a bunch of girls and my boyfriend finally would have to borrow a car and come and see me. And I was so excited to see him after not seeing him for a week. And uh, we we dated for about, I guess, a, a year and a half. And um, I had girlfriends that's, that kept saying, why are you dating that boy? You need to break up. They would tell me I needed to break up with him. I don't know why they said that. And um, so... After a year and a half, um, I just broke up with this boy. I mean, he didn't, he, he was the nicest, kindest soul out there. And I just broke up with him. And to this day, it's 30 plus years later, I still regret leaving Lafayette, breaking up with this boy for no reason. So I I broke his heart, I'm sure. I because it, I you know, he had begged me not to break up with him and I was just like, "Nope. I I want to move on." So that was my first heartache, you know. I I I my first heartache. I I was so, you know, I was upset, but I broke up with him. It was my fault. And then um I I started uh dating random people. I'd go to a bar and I would meet up with a a guy and I ha- I have to admit I had a few one night stands that I do regret and I talked to that about my daughters because that was during the AIDS crisis and I can't believe I put myself in that dangerous situation but I did and um um I I I meet up with this guy and I fell head over heels with this guy he was going to school for computer science and um I was working at Winn-Dixie and that's how I met him he came to my register and um uh I would get off of work and um I would get off at 2:30 and I would run to my apartment. I would lay in the sun to get a suntan. I had a 
tanning addiction for a while. I would lay in the sun for two hours and then I would go to high impact aerobics at 5.30 to 6.30. I did high impact aerobics and I used to starve myself, you know, because I wanted to be thin. And um, this boy that was in computer science, he would call me and tell me when it was time to come visit him. So I would literally sit by the phone and wait for him to call me so that I can go visit them because he was put in school before he would put me you know school was his number one priority so I got a taste of my own medicine because school was the most important thing to him and I was just head over heels I had butterflies when I would see him you know and he smelled so good I uh, I I put his cologne on my pillow and I would you know sleep sleep with smelling his cologne and he was he he was he was he was beautiful he he was really 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 handsome and he was beautiful and um after um we um he invited me to go to, he was from New Orleans and he invited me to um New Year's Eve, and I, I remember packing up a bag to his house, and his mom, I met his mom for the first time, and she was a young mom. She must have had him at the age of 18, because there was not very uh, many years between his mom and himself. There was not that many, and the way he talked to his mom, it was like he was talking to a girlfriend, and I remember, I was like, I can't believe he talked to his mom and he would giggle with his mom. And I was just like, that's a strange relationship. G- giggling with your mom. It was not, it, I'm not going to say it was an incestuous uh, situation, but it seemed that way because the way that he talked to his mom and there, like one time I, I went to his bedroom and he was talking to somebody and I thought he was talking to another girl and it was his mom. So I look back and it's like, I have no idea what kind of relationship that was. That was that he had with his mom, but it was New Year's Eve and I I was getting ready in the bathroom and they were waiting. Come on, come on, Desiree, come come out. Let's let's see what you got on. Well, here I am, this thin girl with an awesome tan, and I should have dressed more sexy than I did. I came out of the bathroom. I had a floral floor a floral jacket, and I was it was the 80s. I was covered up from head to toe. And I saw the look on my boyfriend's face. It was like, what is she wearing? And we go out that night and he's trying to park, find a parking spot. And he he kind of dents another car. And he, 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 he's upset, he's upset. He dinged his car and the whole night was ruined. And it was like, uh, we went back to his his parents' house, and I slept in a separate room, 
and I would wake up during the night and make sure my makeup was still on. I, I went to sleep with makeup. I didn't want him to see me without makeup. So I would um, go in the bathroom and fix my makeup and brush my hair. And I, I did this all night long. Uh, I would get up and make sure my makeup was still on. I can't believe I did that, but that's what I did. So soon after that incident, um, you know, he breaks up with me and I am devastated. I mean, I just, I, I, my heart was crushed. I was just like, you know, oh my God, he, my heart was completely broken. And then I called up somebody that I worked with and, um, he asked me, do you want to go to the races, you know, watch the, the horses or whatever? And I said, yes. And now I only, I only slept two hours that night. So that, that day I was exhausted and we didn't get home until late that night. And I had only slept two hours. And so it was a rebound relationship, totally rebound and I dated this rebound relationship for about three months, you know. And um, he broke up with me after about three months. So it was like back-to-back uh, breakups, back-to-back. They both broke up with me, and it was like I was so heartbroken yet again. So I am in my apartment. My roommates have moved out and I am living in a three bedroom apartment by myself because my roommates had graduated from college and I was the only one working full time. And they took all the furniture and I stayed until I had to wait for my lease to run out. So I stayed in my one the bed one my bedroom my one the one bedroom in there there was three bedrooms so i stayed in my bedroom i had a tv and i had my bicycle and my bed that's all i had and i was single with no friends cuz they my roommates had moved away to other states and they left me behind and here i am by myself in this three-bedroom apartment by myself and I continued to go to work and on the weekends I, I would go by the pool and I would work on my tan I was always trying to get a tan and um, for six months I didn't have a single date and I look back we didn't have coffee shops or bookstores and I and 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 I look back and I'm thinking, why didn't I just go to a bar and order a drink and sit at the bar and talk to the bartender? But that never even crossed my mind. I would, um, I would just uh, stay home the entire weekend by my. I would go ride my bike uh, by the LSU Lakes. I would ride my bike and I would come home and. Um, I stay home and look at magazines and this was, you know, and I didn't, I, I go to the movies by myself right now, but I didn't go to the movies by myself. This is the uh, time when VCRs had come out. So I would just 
rent movies and watch movies the entire weekend. And um, um, I tried to go back home because I was broken hearted. And um, my stepmother didn't want me to come home. She said that I needed to stay in Baton Rouge. And that's a sore subject between me and my dad because my dad told me that I had to stay in Baton Rouge and not come home so often. And my dad didn't realize, you know, that that's what happened. And he felt bad that he let my stepmother say that to me. Here I am brokenhearted and wanting to come home. And my stepmother didn't want me at the house so I had to stay in Baton Rouge by myself. My my sis, my oldest sister was in the Navy, and so I had no family. I had no friends. I was just working at Winn-Dixie with no friends. I had no friends whatsoever. I didn't make friends with the people I worked with. They were just, I don't know, I just... I didn't make friends. We were all in different stages of our lives. And I just didn't make friends with the people I worked with. So I was stuck in Baton Rouge, not knowing anybody with no friends. And I continue on the weekends to go by the pool, bring my magazines and get a tan. And this went on for six months. So one day I go to the pool and there's this girl laying out and we started talking and she was single and I was single. So we decided we were going to go out um, that that uh, Saturday night. So we went out and she was tall and thin and beautiful. And when we would walk into a nightclub, all the boys would look at her first because she was just so pretty. And I, I felt like I was like the second wheel, you know. And so I finally had a friend. So now we started going out to bars. And like I said, the guys would look at her first because she was really stunning looking. She was really pretty. And um, um, after we would go out, we would get in the car and we would talk about the boys that we met. And one uh, one particular night, um, she started dancing with a boy and I started dancing with the friend. And the friend was an LSU coach, uh, like a like a a defense like a line defense 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 coach. Or he wasn't the head coach, but he was a a coach for LSU football team. And so I started dating him and I felt I was so uncomfortable with this guy because I I was like, why is he dating me? He could be dating a cheerleader or a golden girl. Why is he dating me? So, you know, I would, he would call me and he would want me to go to his apartment at 10 o'clock because he was watching football all day, I guess making up plays for the football team. I don't know. But um, I never felt comfortable with that boy. I was just, I, I was just like, why is he dating me? He could, he could be dating a, uh, a cheerleader or a golden girl. Why? What does he see in me, you know? 
So um, he had to he had he had a football game he had to go to. So me and my girlfriend went out to this bar, and um, we there's a bunch of guys, and we started talking to them. And uh, one of the guys was his name was Ivy, and um, Ivy was so nice. He says, "Would y'all like?" Uh, a drink, and I said no, thank you. And my girlfriend said she'll have a uh, a peach. Well, I used to drink. It was a peach, a peach drink. I forgot what they call it. A fuzzy navel. That's what it is. She, my 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 friend, told Ivy she would like a fuzzy navel. So he goes to the bar to buy his drinks. And my girlfriend says, let's go, Desiree. This place is dead. I said, I think that boy named Ivy went bought us drinks. She goes, we'll never see him again. Let's leave. So we leave the bar. We go to another bar, and that was dead. So we went back to the bar, the bar which was called Butterfields. So we went back to Butterfields, and our drinks were sitting on a table and this guy came up to us and said you girls are bitches that nice guy Ivy went bought y'all drinks and y'all left and I felt so bad and I said Michelle oh I said her name um I said to my friend I can't that boy bought us drinks and 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 we left and we got in the car and we talked about our night. And she goes, we'll never see those guys again. Don't worry about it. I said, but that guy Ivy was so nice. Um, he told me he came from a family of eight children. And I remember my first thought was, oh, my God, he's poor. He comes from eight children. He must be poor. But... Um, I knew that he worked for Coca-Cola, and um, that's what I remember. And he, his teeth were crooked, and my girlfriend said, Why are you talking to that boy? He, he had crooked teeth. He wasn't good looking. I'm like, there's something about him. I said, he was just so nice. You know, I said he was so nice. I didn't care that he had crooked teeth. I mean, I just remember him being so nice. And um, so when I go back to work, I'm at Winn-Dixie and uh, I check in vendors. That was part of my job. And I used to check in Coca-Cola and um, the Coca-Cola guys said, I said, do y'all know this guy named Ivy Duga? And they're like, oh, yeah, he's an he's an executive for Coca-Cola. He's an executive. And my light, my eyes lit up. I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's an he's an executive. So there was a uh, an engagement party. My friend's sister was getting married. So there was an engagement party coming up. So I tell my girlfriend, I said, you remember that that nice guy, Ivy, you know, I'm going to call him and ask him if he wants to go to your sister's engagement party. She goes, oh my God, don't you dare do something like that. Don't you dare. But I did it anyway. I was at work. I called him on my break. 
I said, this is Desiree. Do you remember me? We met at Butterfields. And he, he told me the story that he did not remember me. But, but he said yes anyway that he would go to this engagement party. And I remember, I couldn't remember what he looked like. Because I remember my friend saying, he had crooked teeth, you know. He wasn't that good looking. But I, I, I completely forgot what he looked like. I, and I, so I, I had no idea what he looked like. Because we had met, it was at a nightclub, but it was kind of dark or whatever. So he came to my apartment, and when he opened the door, I was like, oh, he is so good looking. And, um, um, we, I offer him a glass of wine and we drink the wine and I thought he was such a gentleman. He takes the wine and, and he goes, puts it in the sink. And I was like, oh, what a gentleman. He's so nice. So we go out that night, we go to a football game and we have a wonderful time. And then he drops me off at my apartment and he goes, would you like to go to uh, uh, the next football game. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's go back. We went to the engagement party that, that first date. It was the engagement party. He drops me off at my apartment and he says, would you like to go to an LSU football game next weekend? I said, sure. So we went to the football game and, um, There was just something about this guy. I was just like, he's so nice. And I was, and the biggest thing is I was uh, a little nervous at first, but then I I became, I was comfortable with him. So about the third week, we would talk on the phone. And um, about the third date, I was just like, I'm going to marry this guy. I'm going to marry this guy. This is this is my soulmate. I'm going to marry this guy. And after the third week of dating, I, I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to marry this guy. So we continued to date. We So we met in September. November, uh, I introduced him to my family for Thanksgiving. He's with me for Christmas. So I'm introduced Introducing him to the family because it's like this this guy is the one I know he is and so um I remember that first Christmas we were we were so close I I thought he was gonna get me an engagement ring for Christmas after only dating three months and I remember opening up a small box and I was like oh this must be my engagement ring and I opened it up and it was a pair of earrings and i was just like i was i was devastated because i sh- i thought for sure it was going to be a ring because we got along so well so by by the next year i we started talking about marriage and we were going visit my family for something i don't know what what was the a reason but it was like a, the following september and um, he, I was, he could tell I was mad. I was in, in the car and I was mad. He's like, why are you so mad? What's wrong? And I said, well, I thought I would have my ring by now to show my family because we're getting together with my family. And it just, my husband, well, my, my, he was my boyfriend at the time. He was just like, 
Yaring, he was kind of like shook that I was talking marriage so soon. But I'm, I'm not sure it wasn't much time after that that we got engaged and um, we got engaged. I can't remember how much time. I think a year and a half of date of dating. I finally got my engagement ring, and um, my dad uh, encouraged me to elope. And his parents. He was the last child of eight. They didn't have money, so they were uh, all in favor of me and me and Ivy eloping. So um, there was a ski trip with uh, my husband's friends because I I didn't have any friends. The girl that I used to go out with, once I got engaged, she dropped me. She She quit talking to me. So my husband's friends were going on a ski trip. So I told my husband, let's get married the night before and the ski trip will be our honeymoon. So we went to the Justice of the Peace, and it was at this lady's house. And it was an old 1970s old house, and we stood stood in front of a, a unlit fireplace. It wasn't romantic. I had a white dress on, and it was just his parents, my parents, and my grandparents. And we got married, and and then we went. We got on the plane the next day and we told my husband's friends that we had gotten married and they were shocked and they were hurt and some of them were hurt that we and they didn't understand my situation because my dad thought that weddings were a waste of money and uh, so they didn't understand that both of our parents agreed for us to elope and they were mad that we secretly got married and we didn't have a big wedding which like I said I I was on my own and my dad wasn't gonna uh throw me a wedding I was by myself I was on my own so we uh we spent our honeymoon with uh three or four other couples you know and we had a good time snow skiing and um we got married and um so you know facebook comes around 30 years later no not 30 years probably 25 years later facebook comes up and uh i find the old boyfriend that i left lafayette for i i found him and what he does for a living is what I want to do. He's a counselor. And I was just, I, I have great admiration uh, for this ex-boyfriend that he became a counselor because he's doing what I want to do because I stayed home uh, with my children when they were young. And I forgo, I, I was at forgo, I, I, did not have a, I I gave up my career. I gave up my career to stay home to have my children. And, um, um, I still had this, that boy from, uh, Lafayette, I still had his senior ring. So when I found out his 
his mailing address. I mailed it back and I gave it to him because I think he has he has a daughter, so I wanted her to have it. But I don't know much about the ex-boyfriend, but he recently he has been posting spiritual things on Facebook and uh, he has given me great advice because he's a counselor and he's very religious and I consider him a friend. He's very nice to me. He's supportive. He's very... uh, He's very kind. He's kind like my husband. And I've and it's now it's been 32 years that I'm I'm married, 32 years. And my biggest regret is leaving Lafayette and leaving that boy behind. But I can't say I regret it regret it that totally regret it because I wouldn't have met my kind husband and I wouldn't have my four children. So I can't say I regret my life. I I regret leaving Lafayette. I just, looking back, I'm like, I don't know why I left Lafayette. That's what bothers me, leaving my boyfriend behind. So with my four daughters, I have explained to them what I did and how I left my boyfriend behind. And I tell them not to do that. Not, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I tell them the story quite often because I don't want my daughters to do what I did. So I do tell them the story. And, um, Uh, They're like, yeah, but you would have never met dad. I said, I know, but I broke somebody's heart. And I said, I put my career above my relationship. And I said, I I said that I did a terrible thing. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the story of my dating life. I hope you enjoyed it. Goodbye.